the Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and coming up on the podcast this week, we'll be talking about everything from melons, bamboos and ponds. We'll also bring you some top tips on things you can be getting on with in the garden, plus plant of the week. They all feature exclusively to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Let's start then with plant of the week, which is Ilex cronata. Okay, it's a species of holly. That's why it's called Ilex. It's a box-leafed holly. Uh, a native to China, Korea, Japan and even Taiwan. That's where it actually originated from. Why are we using it in this country a little bit more? Well, I'll tell you why. Because of the problems with normal box, which is buxus. Buxus, we've got diseases and we've got pests that we're struggling to keep down. A lot of people are turning to Ilex cronata, which you can actually put into a small, low hedge. If you allow them to grow, they will grow into reasonably large shrubs, but we're talking about using it as a hedge. In fact, just the other day, we were working in a garden, and in fact, we were trimming one. It's a newly planted one. The side shoots have started to pop out, and we therefore started to tidy the edge and allow the top growth to come up a bit so that we can end up with possibly a small low hedge of something like a foot high. They've got an insignificant white flower. You don't grow them for the flower, and they will produce a black uh, berry as well. Again, a bit like, I suppose, the same significant berries as holly, except hollies are red. It grows even better in an acid soil, but will tolerate other soils. But I suppose if you're growing it somewhere um, in an acid conditions, you would actually feed it with um, an acid feed, something like sequestered iron. As a plant, it's available also in one, there's a variegated one, there's also a greyish green one. It's a great small hedge plant. So that's Ilex cronata, and if you're thinking of replacing your box with something, this is the one to use. Yep, it's a box-leafed holly. Small leaf, and will give you just the same effect as that box. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Still to come on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, I will bring you some top tips on things you can be doing in the garden this week. But let's now hear what you've called us about. And we start with Jack in Stamford La Hope. Good morning, Ken. Do you know, the more you think about it, Jack, and I, I get a bit, little bit worked up about the summer because they go on and on about how it's a heat wave, but actually it's summer, isn't it? Isn't that Absolutely what? Absolutely right, yeah. This is what should happen in summer. Anyway, what have you got for us today, well, Jack? The first one is just a, a quick one. I've, a flowering cherry. It's yep. got a bit too big for its boots, so I'd like to, to cut it down to size. Now, right. what is the procedure for this? Right, you've, you've chosen the right time of the year. You do it during August, so you're in the right month, and you do it right now, and that's to 
prevent it getting disease back in. If you prune them in winter, a flowering cherry is classed under the same as a stoned fruit because it's the same as if it was a, a, oh, right. a you know, a I cherry. Been, yeah. yeah. So you prune them right now. It might do a bit of bleeding, but don't seal the wound because they're better to seal themselves. How they much really can cut off because it's quite big? You can be quite ruthless. I mean, as long as you leave the basic branches, it will start again. How old is it, um, Jack? Oh, it's quite a few years old. It's, yeah, well, I don't really know, to be quite honest. Well, I mean, if it's over 25 years old, don't be too ruthless because they, they have a limited lifespan. So All I right? I do the, about a third, yep. third each year or something. Yep, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Uh, what, el what else have you got for us? Uh, the other one is, is my cucumbers. I always grow cucumbers. Uh-huh in a little greenhouse at home, and uh, this year some of them are going yellow. So, uh, have you... Hmm, I mean, really, our biggest problem with growing anything this year is is that it's hotter than normal. And, I mean, I don't know whether you remember a, a summer that was this hot and what happened to your cucumbers that year. But it's it, you need moisture, moisture for cucumbers, so you need a hum humid atmosphere and you need plenty of water at their roots. Now, I imagine you're doing that anyway, aren't you? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Now, are they going yellow before they as they form or are they going yellow no, when they, they form? They're getting to almost a size and then they're turning yellow, usually starting at one end or the other and, uh, and working its way down. I think it's climate climate problem. I think you, problem. yeah. I don't think you can do much about it. Are they still forming as well? Oh yeah, I've got lots of little ones coming as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think you might have to just take them a bit early and have them a bit early rather than letting them go to full size. And and what well, give them give us a slightly lower temperature. Leave the door wider open. Or... Oh yes, yes. Try and get get the air through there. Very important. Okay. All right. That's fine, yes. Thanks very much, Ken. Okay, Jack. That's Jack from Sandler. Dan, there we go to Dan in Leon C. Hello, Dan. Morning, Ken. What have we got today? Uh, I've got a Bramley tree. Yep. But the bark is splitting along the branches and yep. up the trunk. Uh-huh. On the trunk itself, there's a split that I can put three fingers in. Blooming heck. It's an old Bramley, uh -huh. I take it. It's about 10 years old. Only 10 years old? Oh, I yeah. would have thought it was older doing that. Um, yeah. Right, what is happening is that um, <clears throat> it's happening to a lot of trees this year is because the sap movement is not... You see, basically trees are struggling to pull enough moisture from the ground to get it up yeah. into the branches. And in fact, you'll find that ornamental trees are also dropping branches and cracking purely because there's not enough moisture in the stems and the branches. Now, oh, I'm pretty sure that that's what the problem is. Now, would I seal it? I, I, I don't know whether I would or I wouldn't. Um, is it an open wound? Can you see um, bare wood inside? Yes. You can. Well, I might yes. clean it off the edge and then put a bit of sealer. Uh, there's a tree sealer that you can buy, and I might seal it off. OK, Ken. Thanks ever so much for your help. That's a pleasure. That's what we're here for. Don't forget that number to call is 0800 4041. That's 0800 4041. We're talking gardening, and you can message me straight into the studio on 8133. Start your message with the word Essex. And we now go to Ron in Leia Breton. Is that right, Ron? 
It is. Hi, Ken. Good morning. Right. What are we doing, Ron? Or what are we doing wrong? <laughs> well, I don't think I'm doing anything wrong as far as I know. Because right. I've grown croissants for years. Uh-huh. No problems. Right. This year, in fact, just this month, for some unknown reason, one of them has sort of, all the leaves have shriveled as though there's not been, not been watered. And it's only one out of about two dozen plants. There's nothing in the leaf. There's no minor or... I mean, if you've been growing them that long, you'd know what to look for because there yeah. is a chrysanthemum yeah. minor, isn't there? Yeah, there is. It's nothing there's like that. There's, there's no signs other than it's just like as though it, it's been not been watered enough. Now, is it in a row or is it in a container? Uh, it's in a container. Container. And is it fresh compost that you're growing them in? It is, yeah. Right, because you can guess where I'm going. I'm thinking it's something nibbling away at the roots, but in fact, it can't be, can it? Well, no, it's, it's only one out of two dozen. I've got t about two dozen in pots, and one of them, which was right in the middle of it, it's just sort of done in a way as though it's not watered. <sighs> Balmy. And in fact, isn't it, it is strange, because we often get people ringing up and saying, you know, I've got two rhododendrons, one each side of the door and one as given up and one hasn't and in fact we have no rhyme nor reason why that can happen the thing i would do is is it definitely dead the whole thing yeah, I now would say yes i think it would be worth oiking it out and having a look to see you've got nothing around the roots because if you have you want to watch that it's not going on to any of the other yeah, plants i'll do that i mean i'm watering it as, as needed and feeding it twice a week yeah yeah, well, well of course. It's just one out of two dozen. And if it's got no leaf, there's no point in feeding it because it's not going to grow anyway, is it? Oh no, no. You're wasting you're wasting your food no, I'll, and all. I'll take it out and have a look at the roots. As you have a look, get. and if you can find anything, let us know, Ron, because we'd we be do. interested. Okay. Yes, Ken. Thank you very much indeed. That's Ron from Leia Breton, and we go now to Pauline from Langdon Hills. Hello, Pauline. Good morning, Ken. Um, I've got a Barnsley babe. Yeah. Uh, Lavateria. Uh-huh. The flowers have finished, so I've cut down to the next uh, shoot. Yeah, that's fine. And I, need to, and I need to know whether that might flower again this year. They've got a very good chance of flowering again. Um, I would... Is it? Is it in the garden or in a container? No, it's in a container. If it's in a container, it's well worth giving it a blooming good liquid feed and that'll encourage yeah. it as well into, into flower. But yes, you've done just the right thing. A lot of people leave the flower spikes on and, you know, they get a bit leggy then. But I think what, right, you, yeah. what, what you've done is a very good idea. It's the way to do it. Yeah, OK. All fine. right. Okay. Yeah, that's lovely. Thank you. Fine. That is Pauline from Langdon Hills, and we go to Fred in Herongate. Hello, Fred. Good morning, Ken. What can One we do for you? Yep. My alley canter tomatoes are uh -huh. not going red. Are you being impatient is what I would always say with tomatoes. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, are you being impatient? I mean, I'm just thinking of my own tomatoes. They're just starting to... They're green, but they're... Are they going yellowy at all? No, not really. Oh, no. Are we being... These indoor or outdoor? Outdoor. Outdoor. Are we being too impatient, do you think, Fred? Because... Well, see, I heard yesterday, a fella told me yesterday... Yeah. He looked, he looked up on his phone, yeah. and on his phone they said, if you've got tomatoes in that stage... 
don't water them. If you don't water them, they will turn red. Is that right? Yeah, but if you don't water them, the plant will die. That's what I said. I, I can't believe that. I think what it is trying to say, and I think uh, that is what he's trying to say, is I think he's trying to say reduce the watering. Yeah. Which is That's a lot what... different, isn't it? It is a lot different to not watering at all, isn't it? Yes. Are you feeding yeah. it with a good tomato food? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The one, and, and especially the one with the, uh, what you call, seaweed in it. Oh, yes, with seaweed. That does that does work, is it? Yeah. So that's yeah. doing all right. Um, yeah, they I, are, yeah. And so I, is my cucumbers. Yeah, so they're doing all right, really. They're just, uh, well, you don't want your cucumbers red, do you? No, no, but my <laughs> cucumbers, that man, was talking, that man was talking a little while ago, mine are outside. Yeah. Um, they're not in a greenhouse, they're outside. And I'm looking at them now, and yeah. I can see one hang there. It's about oh, a good 12 inches long. Yeah. I've had a terrific uh, lot of cucumbers this year. I think... No, I've, I've not fed them. I've done nothing like that, just watered them twice a day. I think uh, people are having trouble in greenhouses because uh, the heat is slightly higher than it would be under normal conditions. That's it, yeah, yeah. That's why mine are doing better outside yeah. than what they would in, in the greenhouse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, can you keep us in touch and see whether your alicante do change, but don't stop watering, but just watch, reduce the watering slightly. But let's face it, with a tomato... You can see when it needs its water, can't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> yeah. Right. Mom beginning, yeah, and mine begin to look a little bit uh, water. water. <laughs> <laughs> you be careful you don't, uh, you careful you, don't um, you know, starve them of water, but uh, definitely keep watering. OK? Keep yeah, OK, then, Ken. Thank you the... very much indeed. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Back to your gardening questions in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, I've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Lift those marrows, pumpkins and squashes off the ground because you're watering them a lot, which means there's lots of water around the plant and you'll get rots very easily. Try and use a bit of straw. There's plenty of that around at the moment with all this harvest going on. Straw, bit of hay... Even uh, shredded paper will help just to lift it off the ground. My old dad used to use pieces of glass on bricks, but that's a bit dangerous in the garden today. But it does help to ripen those uh, marrows, pumpkins and squashes up. So that's my first one. And then remove the wheat growth from those autumn fruiting raspberries. They've got several sort of wispy sort of growths, which aren't really necessary. Get rid of them and then you'll get some better fruit on the raspberries that you've got. So that's how I would do it. Give them a good liquid feed because let's face it, they're going to need all the help they can get this year because it is so, so dry. So water, water, water and feed, feed, feed. Good liquid feed, something like um, maxi crop would work really well. We'll have more top tips for the next seven days later on in the podcast. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. You're listening to The Gardening Hour here on BBC Essex with me, Ken Crowther. And 
0800 111 That's the number to give us a call on. There's a line free at the moment. And if you'd like to just text me, just as Patrick has, uh, 81333 and just put Essex on the front and we'll talk to you through that way as well. So there's plenty of ways of getting hold of us here at BBC Essex. And you can also email me at ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk and we can answer those ones as well. Let's go now on the phones to Barbara in Chelmsford. Hello, Barbara. Hello, good morning. (laughs) What you got for us? Well, um, I've got somebody who's started clearing up my garden. It's very bad, but but I've got lots of uh, bamboo, which my husband uh, uh, planted, and it's just gone on and on and on and on, and I don't know how to get rid of it. Right. What you mean is it's coming up everywhere. Is that what you mean? No, it's just that my husband put two, two lots, which were given to him, and they're just growing sideways and upwards. And I, I don't know how to get rid of them. Do I, uh, no, that's, no, that's what I meant. The, no, hang on. You, that's what I was saying. Are they spreading the plants? Yes, sideways. They, they're going up sideways. And sideways. <laughs> well, uh, well, up you can just trim them. You can just cut some of the tops out. That's not a yeah. problem. Now, sideways, they're, they're a bamboo has a rhizome. It runs under the ground. The roots run under the ground and then come up again. Yes? Yeah. Now, yeah. what you can do there is you normally would dig them out or put a barrier. You can buy a landscape material which you put down into the ground to stop them going sideways. But if you've got somebody that can help you, all you do is dig them out with a spade. But you do need uh, to keep doing it because they will spread and spread and spread, especially if they're one of the japonica types, one of the more common types. They will grow very vigorously and they'll turn up, they'll come up anywhere that you don't want them. Oh, so somebody said to me, a friend of mine who's, who's a keen gardener, and she said, just cut them down to uh, you know the ground level and then you can put... Um, you can put some uh, weed killer on them. Is that okay? You can do that, but remember that you're putting weed killer on the whole plant then, so you're actually feeding it all back to the whole plant. Yeah, so, okay. So it depends I've on... I've just had somebody, he's, he's a landscape gardener, he's just done my garden. Yeah. And we haven't, we haven't tackled this bit of, you know, the, the, um, the bamboo yet, and I didn't know what to do. No, you just... Dig out what you can, and then you could actually, if some turns up, if you've dug out every bit that you don't want, and then it turns up, you could actually treat it with a glyphosate product like Roundup um, Mm -hmm. and get rid of it that way, because it then wouldn't be connected to the main plant. Okay, right, thank you. Can I ask you another question? Of course you can, yeah. When can I move my uh, dogwood plant? Because it's... I, it's, 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 I planted it when it was small next to my hibiscus, and they both got bonkers. They were <laughs> spread right. Out. Okay. How um how, how old is is the dogwood? Oh, quite old. I mean, my husband's been dead five years, so we bought it long before that. The, the danger is that um, uh, if it's a dogwood and you're trying to move it, I mean, the answer is you can move it in November, between November and March. But okay. if it is a quite an old plant, if it's in excess of, say, a, if it's a 10-year-old plant, you might have your work cut out. However, what you could do is you could take cuttings of your dogwood very easily. Okay. 
Um, you could do that this time of the year even, or through the winter you could take them, put them in a sand, bit of gritty sand in a trench and leave them through the winter period and they'd be rooted by next year. Or, oh, okay. yeah, or it's, you, it's, the alternative is you cut the dogwood really hard back. You can cut a dogwood down to six inches from the ground and then let it regrow. Yeah, last year I cut it down to about a foot. Yep. And it's 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 really gone huge now, and it's spread it's spread so much that it's next to the hibiscus, which is in full flower. Yeah. And uh, I I don't want them that close to each other. That's the reason I want want to know whether I can just move it or just cut it up or what. Take some cuttings and try moving it as well, and then you've got you're covering both aspects. How about that? Uh, yes, yeah, so you, you you suggest I do it in uh, in November or so. November into next year, or you could take some cuttings now, uh, put them in a pot somewhere shaded, keep it moist, and chances are they will root very easily. Dogwood roots extremely easily. Okay, thank you very much for your That's help. a pleasure. That's Barbara from Chelmsford, and don't forget the number to call is 0800 111 We're talking to John in Colchester. Hello, John. Oh, uh, Good morning, Ken. Uh, honeydew melons. Yeah. I've got lots of foliage, as expected, lots of plants, uh, sorry, lots of flowers, as expected, um, but I can't get any melons from them. Right. This is What's in a green... In a green... I've got lots of bees in the garden. I've even tried right. encouraging bees onto them. Right. This is out... Just... Oh, these... sorry, out... Yes. Outdoors. That's, that's what's important, outdoors. Um Try misting the flowers a little bit, right? And then you could also um, look for the the female flower that will have a little lump behind it. Yeah. Has a bulb behind it. And then look for a male flower that has not got a bulb behind it. And, in fact, you can touch them together. Oh, right. And actually pollinate. I mean, the other way you could do it is with a paintbrush. You can just yeah. move the pollen across. But the yeah. easiest way is to just put the two flowers together. Right, OK. So be, but be careful how you did treat the female flower with the male flower. Yeah, they're, don't, they're, don't... Very, um, they're very fragile, aren't they? Yes, yeah. yeah. But... I, I did research this, and I couldn't find anywhere that, that you ought to be trying to pollinate them yourself. It, it would be normally... No, not... I agree with you. Normally, it would suggest that um, that it would just, you know, sort itself out, basically. Yeah. I have lots of bees in the garden. I've even tried encouraging... Well, I've caught a bee and, and put it on the plant, and it just <laughs> flew away. You're doing the right... Th- oh, they're not keen on your honeydews, you see. No, no interest whatsoever. <laughs> uh, oh, and another one, if yes, you don't John. mind. Yeah, OK, um, John. Has any... Anybody got had problems with runner beans this year? Loads of people have got problems with with runner beans. Um, they're drying because there's not enough moisture getting up the plant, and they're also having trouble with pollination. That's yes. Dry con- flowers, but yep. very few beans. Dry conditions are main problem. Get a mister and try and miss the miss the flowers in the right, evening. Okay. It will well, help it's... a little bit. I don't guarantee it will work, but it's a help. All right. Thank you, Ken. Okay, that's John in Colchester, and we go over to Eve in Harlow. Hello, Eve. Hello, Ken. Um, just as, uh, one thing: um, if you've got birds and that they're drop, you know, the birds' droppings on yep. the plants. Yeah. Um, does it harm the plants or the uh, ground underneath if you water 
Um, no, it won't affect the uh, ground underneath. The only thing it can affect is if it drops onto the plant, uh, there is an, a certain amount of acid in most droppings of any animal or human even, a uh, certain acidity, and it could burn the leaf of the plant. That's all. Ah, thank you very much. Is that all right? What birds you got anyway? Oh, sparrows, doves, you name it, we've got them. You name it, you've got them in Harlow, have you? Yes. <laughs> okay then, Eve. So if it's not on the plant, don't worry about it on the ground. Yeah? Okay. Thank you, Bill. Pleasure. Bye. Um, and we will go to some of the. Uh, we have got texts as well. And the phone number to call is 0800 4041. And let's go back to, the, back to the phones and talk to Bill in Southwood and Ferrers. Hello, Bill. Hi, how are you doing, Ken? We're all right, and you? Good. Yeah, fine, thanks. Uh, I've got a problem with an old almond tree. When we moved in 33 years ago, it was there, and it was quite big, and it's still producing almonds, but I noticed it's got quite a lot of dead wood. And what's a good time to prune it? Right. And how now, bad do I right. prune it back? When do, you, when do you take your almonds from your almond tree? Well, I usually just drop off in the garden at the end of the year you know it's a, we don't pick them we, is it it's, an, it's quite tall is it an edible almond or is it, it is yeah i have it, cracked them before and they taste good right the the time to do all those sort of uh, trees they're a prunus therefore okay. they're the same family as cherry right. and you would prune it in august so you could prune oh. it right now okay great now if it's a very old tree don't be too harsh with it Right, it's very. It's been here thirty-three years, yeah. and we've never pruned it ever. No, prune it, but don't be hot. In other words, I'm not saying you know if you've got a branch that's going up the middle and it's uh, twelve, twenty foot high, don't suddenly say, "I'll take that down to six foot," because that would be too harsh for the tree. Right. Okay. But you, the answer is yes, you can prune it. Open right. out the centre and open it up, and yep. try and reduce a bit of the bit of the height as well. Okay. okay? Fantastic. Don't seal don't seal the wounds, they will seal themselves quite happily. Lovely. Okay, Bill? Thank you very much. Enjoy your almonds. Thank you. <laughs> bye bye there. That's Bill in Southwood and Ferris and we go to Anne in Billericay. Hello Anne. Hello, Ken. What, what? Uh, yeah, my problem is uh I've got a hydrangea that's doing too well. Yeah. Um it's got too many blooms and it's getting top heavy. Uh huh. Um could I cut it back at all, or will it kill it? Or no, right. I'm is it gardening? Is so it in a con is it in a container, or is it in the ground? It's in the ground. In the ground. And why do you say it's getting top heavy? Are the blooms taking the branches right over? Yes. Right. Yes. Well, if wait till they've finished. Enjoy, enjoy the colour and the and and the bloom. And if some of yeah. them are pulling the plant over, yes, you can reduce them. Yes, that's the thing. I don't know how to right. cut it Right, go, go down to about three buds from the base. Oh, yeah, three buds from the base. Yeah. But don't do the whole plant, only just the ones that are bad. Okay, yeah. Okay? Oh, yeah, I was just worrying that they might break off, that was all. 
It wouldn't. It wouldn't matter. I mean, I, I, we've got a lot of hydrangeas. I mean, there's one called Annabelle that we've got in a garden that we look after, and I mean, they've got massive blooms this year, and they're dropping down a bit. But they look so gorgeous. It seems a shame to take them away. So have a, have a look. Decide whether they're a real problem. If they are coming down to the ground, yes, take them back. But don't take all of them off at this time of year. Okay. Okay. Oh, lovely. Thank you. That's Anne in Billericay. And we go to Maureen in Felsted, 0800 111 That's the number to call. And Maureen, hello there. Hello. I'm just ringing. I've got two questions for you. Okay. I've got a shrub in my garden. When I moved in eight years ago, it was just the, the garden just been laid out with shrubs. And now it's, and I don't know what it's called, it's tall now, about 10 foot, five foot wide. Mm-hmm. It's got um, branches on it, and the leaves are tiny, tiny, and they're uh, bright green. And it has a flower on it. And then Christmas time, it has um, a berry on it. They're just coming on now, and they're green. And I wondered if it was a skimmier. It could be a skimmier. How ten foot high is a bit big for a skimmier, though. Well, I need to cut it back, you see, because it's right. taller than the shed now, and I and okay. I like to keep well, in my height, which is five foot, okay. so I can keep cutting them back. Okay. Um, we are still doing pruning, major pruning in people's gardens at the moment. Um, I've not got a problem with pruning in the summer. I know it's very dry, but if it's an old, established plant, which you're telling me it is, yeah. Yeah, well, it's eight, it's eight years old, about well, nine years you old, could, You could do some pruning at this time of the year. It's not a problem. Yes, but I shall lose the berries now, you see. Well, you have to put up with that. When you prune, you often lose berries. I mean, it's like pyracantha. If a pyracantha gets too big, you will cut it back, but you might lose some berry. But you yes. have to do it sometimes. So if it's true tall, reduce it by about a third. Be yes. selective about which branches you do. And yes. I think you'll find that through the summer period, it will regrow from where you've cut. Yes. All right. So would I do this each year? No, you won't have to do it each year then. You just can then prune it uh, annually, but not as harshly. Right. Well, I do that at Christmas when I take the berries off, you know, for flower yeah. arranging. Yeah. Um, so, so these are going to be thick branches. Will it be all right? Do I have to seal it with anything? No, don't seal it with anything. Just give it give it a good prune. Thank okay, you Maureen. very much indeed. That's a pleasure. I uh, wait till the, I wait to get a bit cooler. Yeah. Okay. Then Maureen, Maureen's Maureen's going to go in her garden when it's a little bit cooler, and that's I think what a lot of people are doing at the moment is doing gardening early mornings and evenings. I know I'm starting. Uh, we're starting in working in gardens a lot, lot earlier. We're starting at before seven o'clock in the morning at the moment, just purely because it is so, so hot later on in the afternoons. We're going to be going to Brian in Harold Wood, Steve in Leon C, Chris in Basildon, Ron in Leah Breton and Christine in Burnham on Crouch. That's all coming up in just a moment. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, I have got some more tips for you. Taking cuttings. Several things you can take at this time of the year. Semi-ripe cuttings, which means that you're looking at uh, growth of this year that has started to mature. 
and you can do that with hibiscus, rhodo, and even lavenders. Just pop them in a pot, uh, put them up against the wall. I, I'd use a bit of, um, you know, the hormone powder or the liquids. It does really help. And then another stuff you can actually take cuttings from, of course, is think easy things like Senecio grayi, hebes, choiceas, and you can grow free plants. You've got to have somewhere to keep them and don't go on holiday because they're going to dry out and you need to put them somewhere shady with this amount of sun around. So that's really important. But do think of taking cuttings. It's a bit of fun and you can grow a few plants on. The other one I've got for you is fallen fruit. Lots of fallen fruit. I know in the gardens that I'm going to to look after at the moment, there's lots of damaged and fruit dropping on the lawns. It uh, It's worth clearing because you've got pests and disease by the apples particularly if you've got brown rot you want to clear them away if a, if a apple is completely covered in brown remove it get it away from your site completely give it back to the council and watch for wasps because remember the birds will have pecked it and you'll get wasps so as you pick the apple up or the plum or whatever it is on the floor watch you don't get stung by wasps not only that it can damage the lawn. If you leave fallen fruit and leaf, because there's plenty of leaf around at the moment as well, it'll damage the lawn. So be very, very careful. Well, keep listening to the podcast as there's still more hints and tips to come. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Let's go to Brian from Harold Wood. Hello, Brian. Morning, Ken. As far as your last call is concerned, I'm out there at night using a headlamp to do the gardening. Neighbours think I'm balmy. I've got three questions. for. I've got a brand new garden. I moved in early, early part of this year. Yep. I've had sterile topsoil delivered, which I put down, and a good quality compost. Lovely. And a mix of about, I would say, three topsoil to one, uh, one of compost. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, everything's going okay. But um, first question is, can I overfeed? You can overfeed if you keep, for an example, um, and we often pick on, uh, say, a a tomato plant or something that will fruit. If you keep giving it loads of nitrogen, you'll get loads of growth. Mm -hmm. And that would be classed as overfeeding and then it won't produce fruit. So the answer is yes, you can. Too much of a nitrogen based fertilizer will produce too much soft growth. So the answer is yes, you can. Yeah, but I'm using a liquid uh, food for, uh, well, flowers, basically, plants. You, you know, still can, and, uh, yes. So if forth. you overdo it, you can overfeed. Oh, right. Now, it's best to follow the instructions yeah. or reduce the amount. Some people reduce the amount of the feed. You know, as if it told you to use two capfuls yeah. in a two-gallon can and you want to do it every week or instead of every two weeks, you mm. just reduce the amount you put in your can once a week. Does that make oh, sense? Yeah, that makes that's perfect sense. Thanks yeah. for that one. Now, okay. sec- second question I've got is, um, with this uh, blasted you know, fight in the drought, I thought I'd be very clever using the condensate from my air conditioning right. to water a clematis plant. Uh-huh. Killed it in two days. Now, I've checked the pH level of the, the water in the... I mean, bear in mind, this, this water's coming out of the air. I checked the pH, the pH was 7, so it's neutral... And I can't understand why it would have killed it off so quickly. I don't think that is the reason that it has died. I think something else has got to your clematis. Oh, right. I really do. That would not kill it. 
Oh, I mean, right. have you kept watering the clematis? Because oh, yes, clematis yeah. are, are needing a fair bit of water. I know uh, we're watering, say, every couple of every other day. If yeah. you give a give water every other day to a clematis, but lots of it, and then let it dry out before you water it. That's what I would do. Oh right, okay, thanks. Right, then my final one is: yep. I bought a, a Japanese flowering cherry tree. Lovely. Uh, uh, Yumineko. Yeah. Right. And what's now, happened to that? Well, on the growth that came with the tree, the leaves all curled up and got brown at the edges. But the new growth yep. is fit and healthy. Now, is this just down to this hot weather? Yes. What you're yeah. getting, you're, what you're getting is it's. So what you're saying is, when you bought it, it's quite recent. You bought it, you yeah. planted it, mm-hmm. and the growth that was on it has burnt off, basically. Yes, that's right. It's, it's gone yeah. backwards. And yeah. I appreciate when you put something in, it does that before it yeah. establishes. Well, what itself, it's you know. what it's struggling is, it's most likely been grown under glass or protected, at least in some way, where it was growing. Yeah. Uh, you've exposed it to the air, and now the wind and the sun will dry up the leaf. As long as the new growth that's coming out of that cherry is looking good, you're fine. Now, what about the old growth, as far as the stems are concerned? Can I keep those? Will they re-establish? Have they or... died back as well, or is the leaf and the stem gone, or no, just the leaf? It's, it's just, just the leaves. I mean, it's still I think green you're... in the centre of the leaves. You're... It's just gone brown on the edges. No, you'll find it will come back. The, the stem, oh. stem will produce new leaf. That's lovely, Ken. OK. Well, once again, thanks very much indeed. That's a pleasure. That is Brian from Harold Wood and Steve from Leon C. Hello, Steve. Good morning, Ken. How are you? I'm fine. What's, what's your question today? Uh, I found you about a month ago. This is my first year of growing veg. Um, mm-hmm. What I'd like to know is, what's the difference between peas, dwarf beans, runner beans? Because I've had a nice crop of peas, yep. a nice crop of dwarf beans, and runner beans, terrible. Now, the yep. same thing, produce a flower, produce the pod. Yeah. You've got, you've got a runner bean. Is You're doing a runner bean up a... Of net or up strings or up. They were up a net. I've ripped them all out now because I'm waiting. No, right. You run a bean. You run a bean. You've been trying to get the moisture up the stem to the flower, and the flower's exposed to what we were talking about on that previous one, which which is you've got this burning sensation of air that's hot and wind, and it's got its work cut out trying to produce a flower to germinate, you know, to, to, yeah. to get it into a runner bean, and that's the problem. Right. Uh, so a dwarf bean's down on the ground, it's got more yeah. moisture around it because you're watering it and the moisture right. is around the plant. A lot yeah. of people will be spraying their runner beans with a bit of moisture, and that does sometimes help. So that's well, the difference. Yeah, You've I done well do getting peas because a lot of people have struggled with peas this year. Oh, I've, I've had a decent amount. Yeah. You know. So does that? I just does, wonder what the difference was between producing a flower on a seed and, yeah, and a, and a mother bean. It's because he's up the stick. <laughs> All right, Steve? Right, OK, thanks very much. Thank you, Steve. There's Steve. And we go to Chris in Basildon. Hello, Chris. Hello, Ken. What's up? Um, well, I've got this little pear tree. Mm-hmm. It's been in a pot for three years in a fruit cage. And we've not had any fruit from it at all. And um, I've just been running upstairs. I'm a bit... That's all right. And it's got big orange and yellow blotches on it. Okay. Now, my first question is, was it it a patio tree? Was it a um, patio plant that was supposed to be growing in a container? 
I don't really know. But what right. we've done is, because yep. it looks so dreadful, yep. we've put it in the ground this year. Okay. Um, it still had all the horrible blotches all over the leaves. So I went to the garden centre and I asked, because yep. um, I'd read in the magazine there was a fungicide. So I tried to find it at the garden centre, but they advised not to spray, um, you know, because it was like an edible crop. No, there is a fruit. Uh, there is a fruit and veg um, fungicide that you can use, but um, generally we wouldn't worry if it's particularly if it's got no fruit. I would just. It sounds to me as if it's lacking food as well. If you've had it in a container for that many many years and it hasn't been yeah. hasn't been looked. Have oh, you no, fed I've, it at all? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've fed it with. Um, Tomato food and um, seaweed, liquid seaweed. That's good. You're doing all the right things. Um, I've chopped off every single leaf right. that had a blotch on it. Now, are they coming green now? Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm looking at it now, and there weren't many, but they're looking pretty healthy. Yes. Remove the yellow blotchy ones and put them in the bin and give them to the council, because that way you're getting rid of it. Uh, but there is a um, fruit, fruit and veg spray that you can use as a fungicide, I'm sure, still. Oh, right. But I wouldn't okay, worry. Yeah. Don't spray. If it's clean, leave it alone and let it grow. We don't use sprays unless they are really necessary. Yeah, nothing. Well, when we we had two weeks on holiday and came back and everything was frizzled. Yeah. Uh, all the blueberries had dried up and the apples were all And that's some, that's some of your problem because the weather has been um, nice and hot. We are getting these extra problems that, because things aren't getting enough water. Yeah, right. It looks happier in the ground, though, so hopefully good, we might get some pears. Keep us in touch and let us know how you get on, Chris, with that one. And we're coming back to Ron from Leia Breton, who was talking about croissants earlier on, weren't you, Ron? I was, Ken. And what have you have you found yeah. anything? Yeah, I've, I've dug it up. Uh, I'm taking it out of the pot. Yep. There is very, very little root there, but there's no sign of... No foreign, no foreigners in there. But what I did notice is I must have overwatered. Good. Well, you've got the browning. Was very wet. You've got browning root. Yeah, browning roots. No nice white roots. You've drowned it. Then yeah. yes, Ron. You see, there's always an answer for a plant that won't grow, isn't there? And that's you know. Thank you very much for coming back to us. And that is uh, a, a good one. It's nice to get a report back. Thank you, Ron from Layab. And Christine from Burnham on Crouch. Hello, Christine. Hello there, Ken. Yes, it's a question about osteospermums, Ken. Right, yeah. I've got a group of three, which I put Mm. in the garden a few weeks ago, and they're all blooming beautifully. And then all of a sudden, about three or four days ago, one of them, I went out and the whole thing has just collapsed, as if it was dry. It wasn't dry, but just one of them. All the leaves are all drooping. The whole thing's just collapsed. Right. I'm just wondering whether it's something at the root, because that's normally... No, I dug it up and had a look. Nothing around the roots? No, there's nothing on the root, because I wondered if it was the vine weevil or something. Yes, because that sometimes comes with the pot. I shouldn't... Don't tell us where you bought it. it's not that. No, it wasn't that. No, because I I dug it up, because I wondered that, and there's nothing on the roots, and it's not dry. But could could it be like a fungal... So well, I'm just one of my gardening books. Like, you could be something like is it is it verticillium or something? Well, or? verticillium that does affect shrubs more than more than uh, 
a plant like that, but mm-hmm. I wonder whether you've overwatered them because remember they are a South African plant and they they don't mm-hmm. need too much water. Could you have overwatered it? I don't think so. Because I don't water them every day. I certainly oh. don't water them every day. So the garden hasn't been overwatered. No. Oh. And the other two, as I said, well, I've got three watering. I've got three more. You it's, know, one that I had before. They're fine. It's funny. But just one. We just get this, don't we? Where one plant just doesn't survive, and we have to give up, just like that gentleman with his chrysanthemums growing thirty-six, and suddenly you know one's yeah. died. Would it be good if I cut it down, Ken? Or would it grow? Worth a try again. Or? Everything's worth a try. Yeah. Everything's worth a try. All right. Okay. okay, thanks, Ken. Thanks That's a lot. all right. That's Christine from Burnham on Crouch with her osteospermum. And we go to Nigel in Marks Tay. Hello, Nigel. Bay trees. Hello, Ken. Hello, Ken. Bay, Bay, Bay trees, yeah. Yeah. In a drunken moment about five years ago, I bought three bay trees in big pots that had a broomstick in them and it grew, been trained to go round and round and round. Yeah. Now, I told you about this because I thought I'd lost one of them last year. And you said you can't kill it. And, and you're quite right, it didn't. It came back to life. Yeah. And they're now looking very healthy again. Now, one of the three has got, has got three babies. Just the one, but it, it's about eight, inch, about eight inches tall now. Yeah, good. And that's from the root. Now, what do, you, what do I do with them? Well, can, what do you want to do with them? This is the answer, Nigel. We'd like to keep them and repot them or something. Well, you can do that. As long as they got some root on them, you could repot them on. Have they got root on them as well, the sprouts? No, the bits I haven't come... looked at it. I haven't looked at it. Right. Well, what sometimes people do is they increase the amount of compost around the base of the bay tree. Yeah. yeah. Leave it like that for a year and you'll find that they will root themselves. Then you can remove them and use them as a cutting. I see. Try that. Yes, Nigel? Just leave it alone then. Yeah, um, increase them. increase the compost around them and you should be able to get them to root. When you say increase the compost, I mean, I don't put anything on them now. No, put the compost up the stem a bit where the shoots are coming out, yeah? I see, yeah. Because they're at okay. the base. They're basil shoots, aren't they, coming out the bottom? Coming out the bottom, yeah. As yeah. I said, they're about eight inches tall and there's three of them. Yeah, if you put compost around them and you'll find that you should be able to get them to grow. All right. yeah, the, the other two haven't got anything on them. They've just remained as they were. Yeah, well, give up on those and, and enjoy that one. OK, Nigel. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ken. OK, that's a pleasure. That's Nigel. And in a moment, we're talking to uh, Fenella, Vi in Westcliff, Margaret in Walton and Mavis in Canvey Island. But before all that... The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Let's have a final look at the top tips that I've got for you this week. And we can't not have a top tip without feeding tomatoes. I know mine at home. I've got Marmand, which is a huge tomato. They're coming, they're just changing colour and they need a, need a lot of feed. Good tomato food or at least a seaweed-based food is what you need. Um, this year, because we're putting so much water on a lot of our vegetables, I reckon it's worth, again, feeding vegetables as much as possible. And again, liquid feeds is the only way that we're going to get food to them this year. So good liquid feed. Seaweed-based is how you want to do it. Tomatoes, cucumbers, peppers, all that. Um, they really are going mad this year. Um, ponds. Ponds. Yeah. Now, generally, fish... Uh, 
need oxygenisation at this time of year, so watch that you keep your fountains and falls on to keep oxygen coming in the fountain. They generally eat more in the summer, but again, if you put floating sticks or one of the foods on, if it hasn't gone within 15 minutes, clear it away and then reduce the amount you feed. You want it all to go. Do not leave food on the surface. And you can perhaps be feeding them twice a day at this time of year. Can't go without watering trees and shrubs. Again, we've got a garden that has had plants now for two and a half years. They're big trees and they've got water tubes that run down, but we're having to give them at least half an hour of water three times a week to keep them going, because if not, they droop. It's that critical. And talking of things that are happening in the future, don't forget that I'm at the Orsett Show on the 1st of September. Come along and see me. I'll be there answering your gardening questions and talking gardening. That's the Orsett Show this September on the 1st. Now let's get straight back to your gardening questions. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. We're going straight to Fenella in... Uh, where's Fenella? Stock. Stock. Hello. How can we help Hello. you? Hello, Ken. I, um, I don't know whether I'm wasting my time here, but a couple of years ago when I was emptying my compost bin, I found a peach stone with a shoot on it. Right. So I potted it up and it quickly grew so quickly, I had to put it in the garden. But it's now, well, it's about six to seven feet high. <laughs> Is right. It, is has it, gonna... it has Sorry. it branched at all, or have you just got a single shoot? No, it's branched. Good. Right. I can tell you that um, my mum used to eat peaches, and in uh, when I was a child, this was we potted up seven uh, peach trees like that, seven stones. We got five out of it, and one only produced fruit ever. Oh. Don't give up on it. It's a lovely plant. Give it a try. Don't oh, give up. Right. Does it need any special feed or anything? No, just a normal feed will be fine for it. Oh, lovely. All right. Well, don't give up on it. <laughs> no, don't give up, Fenella. Right. Thank okay. you very much, Ken. That's a pleasure. And we go to Vi in Westcliff. Vi, how are we doing with you? I've got an abutilon that I bought about six weeks ago. It's beautiful, and I don't know what to do with it in the winter. Is it a large so flowering I... one? Yes, it is. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, that means it's not that hardy. You see, there's a very small flowering one that's quite hardy, but the large flowering ones are not. You just need to give it some extra protection in the winter. Is it in a container? It isn't in a container, and I was told to wrap it up in the winter. That's right. Well, you can come and talk to us a bit later on, nearer the winter, but basically what you will have to do is put it close into one of the warmest positions on a wall or a fence that you've got in your garden, yeah. and then... Watch the weather very carefully, and you'll have to fleece it to keep it in good condition. Oh, right. Do I have to cut it back at all? No, I wouldn't cut it back at that time of year. I'd just keep it uh, so it hasn't got too much soft growth on the top and then allow it to keep growing, and then in the spring you can prune off the dead and it will take off again. Can I put it in the ground or just leave it in the pot? I'd leave it in the pot because they're not that hardy and it means you can move it around and put it somewhere. And if you have a very harsh winter, you could pop it in a garage or a shed just to keep right. it out of the way. 
Okay. Oh, lovely. Yes, thank you very much. That's a pleasure. That's fine. Westcliff, and we go to Margaret and Walton on the nose. Hello, Margaret. Hello, Ken. Um, I've got a pond that is falling to pieces um, and it's um, leaking. I want to drain it so that I can knock it down. But the trouble is I've got um, blue-green algae in it and I don't know whether it's whether I'm allowed to put that water down the drains um, whether if I put it on the garden, it would kill my plant. Right. No, it won't. Put it on the garden. I mean, let's face it, you don't want to waste water at the moment. So definitely put blue-green, if it's a greeny, algae-type, uh, you put it, put, it on the, put it on the garden, no problem at all. OK, and the soil as well? Yep, no, anything in the bottom, put it on the garden, it's great for it. OK, Margaret? Very much, thank you. That's a pleasure. And we go to Mavis... Uh, Mavis as well. Hello, Mavis. Hello, Ken. What can we do for you, Mavis? Well, um, I have a Brambley apple, uh-huh. and it's getting very high. It's about 35 years old, and it's done very well. Lovely. Um, it is too getting too big. Right. And I have had it um, pruned by professional in the past. Yeah. But it still grew bigger, and I was told that if you summer prune it as That's the right. finish yep. it's better for it it won't grow so quickly you're quite right if you prune at this time of year as the apples are ripening you can open up and allow more light to get to the apples yes. uh, you'll find that the water shoots and all those new shoots don't grow as vigorously next year right so you've been so, told correctly right and um, I shall get somebody to do it because I'm in my 80s Yeah. Um, do they take about a third of the branches off all the way round because it's... Don't take any more than a third off because uh, you'll, you'll have quite an effect on the Bramley tree if it's an old established. But a third, third would do you and then right. take out some of the soft growth as well. Right. Thank you very much indeed. That's yes. a pleasure. And Mavis is, you see, she's picked up on the right information and we go to Cathy in Brentwood. Hello, Cathy. Hello there. Um quick question we've moved into a house recently and it's got an apple tree at the bottom of the garden mm-hmm. which is full of apples but last week one of the branches broke off in the winds and snapped completely off which we've cut down but all the top of the tree looks wrinkly like all the leaves have gone wrinkly and yep. we're wondering when we should prune it right um generally as you heard we were talking about Bramley apple there you can do summer pruning at this time of year to open up the centers and allow more light in so right. you don't hurt if you do a bit of pruning right now okay. um, however your crinkling is basically because it's too dry our atmosphere the sun and the wind will dry those leaves out right okay so, so don't don't panic. The top off, like all the uh, bits off. If it if it's too tall, yes, but if not, just take out some of the side branches that might give it a bit more light into the centre. Right. Okay. Lovely. Okay. Right. Thanks very much. That's Bye. a pleasure, Kathy. And we go to Valerie in Colchester. Wisteria. What's up with your wisteria, Valerie? Well, I've had the wisteria in for over ten years, and it's on a south-facing wall. We've not brilliant soil but it's never really grown very vigorously even if i've watered and fed it yep. and i really would like to move it 
Um, is it possible, do you think, to move and what time of year would I try right. and move it? You need to move it in the in the winter. Don't move it at this time of year. You may, need to move it in the autumn, so from November onwards. How old did you say it was, Valerie? I think it's about 10 years old it's been in there. Yeah, you've got to be very... It's really grown very much. No, be very careful with it because a 10-year-old plant is going to take quite a, quite a bashing when you lift it out. So see that you dig a lot of soil out with it, put it onto a polythene sheet and then slide the polythene sheet to where you're going to replant it and pop it in the ground and then see that it's well watered, good amount of compost around it to get it going. Is it wise to cut it down a bit when I move it? Oh, yes, it? yes. Reduce the height by about a third. OK. All right. right. Thank you very much indeed. That's a pleasure. That's Valerie. And we now go to Paul in Whitton. Hello, Paul. Hello, Ken. Um, sorry about my... I've got three young fruit trees I bought early last year from a well-known nursery down at Clacton in pots. The apple tree has got apples on this year. And, you know, it's fine. They're in, they're in pots, I suppose, two foot by... Just under two foot, you know, two foot yep. by two foot. Yeah. But the cherry and the plum, no fruit on this year. I think oh. some sometimes people are a bit impatient. I mean, these are I take it are patio plants that yes, you specifically. Yes, that's your, that's yeah. yeah, the plum and the cherry should produce fruit, no trouble at all. I can't remember if they had any flowers in the, in the all, in spring. I can't remember. No, it's there was much. No, I mean it just might be that they're having a bit of a bad time. I'm trying to think. The spring was not very conducive to. No, uh, it wasn't. We, had, we had a couple of hard frost, didn't we? We did. It was not good. So I would be less. You know, perhaps you're being a bit impatient, but um, two by two foot. I would try and possibly plant them in the autumn into a slightly bigger container if you can to give them a bit more freedom to, yes. and then they won't dry out at all. I mean, what that lady was saying before about her, her apple being a bit crinkly. Yep. My plum, my cherry. Is it cherry? I think it's a cherry. Yep. Uh, looks a bit one that looks a bit crinkly at the top. That's most likely also blackfly because blackfly get into the cherry leaves and then they crinkle up and turn these, over. These trees are about six foot high from from the, the, you yeah. know, the top of the rootstock, but that, but it's all new growth coming up from down below. Uh, watch I don't, the, mean, I don't mean suckers, you know, but coming up. Oh, as long as it's new growth and it's not suckers, and you're I just fine. Wondered if the top was dying for some reason. I've got no, new stuff coming up because no. straight the bark away right up the top and it's a yep. bit brown. And remember that you can shorten those shoots back at the top and you can do that at this time of the year with a yes. cherry and a plum. But by how much? They're you can take, foot, take, 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 them by about, take them back by a third. By a third? Go yeah. back to a bud? Yeah. Right, okay. Thank you very much. That's a pleasure. That's Paul from Whitton. We go to Tony in Braintree. Hello, Tony. Good morning. Uh, Grown pansies and violas from seed. Yeah. Lots of lots of these little seedlings, but you, you pinch them out. Do you know to make them bushier? You can, but they've got to get quite tall. You've got to get them up to, to at least two two buds. How many how many leaves leaves you got so far? I didn't do them because I wasn't sure whether you could with pansies. Well, you but, you can, but I mean, you can also they, leave them just to grow. They're not they're not oh, a problem. Pansy will they, normally just grow. Yeah, uh, they've done fine and they're they're looking lovely because they're lovely, fairly quick to to germinate, don't they? To germinate and get going. And I actually took some seeds off some that were outside. Yeah, and they were yellow and brown. Yeah. And they've come out blue and yellow, and they are really pretty. <laughs> yeah, so if they're growing into good good plants that you haven't got to worry about, just don't panic and do it. Okay? Yeah, no, no, it was just, if, would you make them bushier if you pinch them out once they were about an inch or high? Yes, you could. You can, but you not can, necessary. But it's not necessary. Oh, okay? That's fine. 
All right. Thank you. Uh, that's a pleasure. And we go to David on Canvey Island. Hello, David. Good morning to you again. Uh, yes, last year I collected seven green gauge uh, kernels from my son's tree in Thundersley. Yeah. And I don't know how to do about trying to grow them. Well, you mean you basically got the, the stone? Yes. The stones will grow, but remember that you might not get a green gauge, true a true green gauge from that stone really no because it's been pollen cross-pollinated you might not generally get one but it's worth a try it's like the person growing the peach worth try you just pop them into a pot in something like john in his number three right. and just leave it water it off and on and wait and see what happens thank you very much i'll let you know if i have some success Okay, thank you very much indeed. And oh, yeah, plenty of callers today. I like some of these texts. The grass in my lawn is brown or dead. Plenty of thriving weeds and clover. Can I restore my lawn or do I start over? No, you don't start over at all. Uh, don't give up on your lawn, it'll come back. Grass is incredibly tough. Let's go to Christine in Mount Bures. Hello, Christine. Hello, Ken. Um, just a quick question, I hope. Um, we've got a crabapple tree, a John Downey, yep. which uh, we've been largely ignoring uh, for the last couple of years. It's had horrible woolly stuff on, on its branches and twigs. Is this woolly aphid? Has it got a fluffiness around the ste yes. around the buds? Yes, yes it, and then it goes all, it's gone knobbly underneath. That is woolly aphid. Um, uh, you need to, right, you can spray it off with water very heavily. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to tell you something, but I wouldn't recommend it because I can't recommend it. But people tell me that one of the ways of getting rid of woolly aphid, don't do it in the heat of the day, is that you use methylated spirit. And if oh. you paint it onto it, they tell me that it actually gets rid of woolly aphid. But I couldn't recommend it because it's not <laughs> right. on the bottle. All right? <laughs> OK, that's fine. Thank you very much. <laughs> so there you are. Uh, that's what... <laughs> That's what it. And uh, Brian from Harold Woods says the blue-green algae is dangerous to pets and humans. Beware, he says. Yes, uh, sorry, I should have mentioned that, but it will not harm your plants and your ground. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. Next week, my guest will be Tom Cole. Don't forget, you have a gardening question for us? Why not give us a call on 0800 111 4041 and be part of the programme? Yes, every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther.